You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hey, welcome to the program. Matt Mars, Justin Jones. You know, guys, this is a big week. Last night, Texas won their first ever World Series. Of course, we got Alabama and LSU right here in the state of Alabama to take place Saturday night. But there's really one story that you got to lead with, and it's a lead above the fold. It's above the fold's fold. And that is the death of legendary Hall of Fame coach Bob Knight and three national championships at Indiana. He had a remarkable career on literally on the court with his team and then on the court with himself and then off the court as well. He was fiery to say the very least, but basketball lost one of his greatest coaches, Lars. Yeah, and uh, really his last public appearance was in February of 2020 when he was invited back to Assembly Hall um, basically for to for a moment to, you know, uh, get, let him have sort of one more ovation from the fans. And, you know, Knight hadn't been back to Indiana for years uh, after he was fired uh, because, let's put it the way it is, I mean, he, he was an autocrat. And he, his coaching methods, uh, while they were very successful back in, especially in, in the seventies and eighties, um, they just simply didn't fit with the times. And that is, uh, you know, being physically abusive to, to players. But on that night in 2020, um, when, when we saw him and, you know, just kind of shuffle his feet into assembly hall, and I remember seeing that and, you know, he was stooped and, and he just, uh, he didn't look good. And, uh, I, I couldn't believe the, the, the overwhelming feeling I had was pity. I felt, I felt sorry for him, you know, and, and Bob Knight is not someone you ever felt sorry for, but that, that's just a sure kind of tell him. Yeah. And, and that was, uh, you know, he, he ruled with a iron fist. Obviously he had a, 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 a uh, a, a volcanic temper. Uh, he could treat reporters just terribly. Um, he could treat players in a, even worse. Um, he, he intimidated people, but it, there were times when his brilliance would come out when he was on the podium and he could uh, dissect uh, a play or dissect uh, what happened in the game with such clarity and precision and insight that you're just you were absolutely blown away. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a, there was just a real dichotomy to the man uh, for sure. Um, but you go back to that team in 1976, I believe. That was the last undefeated team in college basketball. Um, the, the, and, uh, and, and most like, most likely the, uh, should have won another national title in, uh, 74, 75, uh, with the team, uh, ended with a 31 and one record. Uh, and, um, I don't know if you remember this, but they would have, would have won if, uh, Scott May, one of their star players, hadn't broken his arm in the, in the tournament. But, um, yeah, just, uh, he, he was one of a kind. And, uh, you know, 
you either loved the guy or you hated the guy. Uh, there wasn't a lot of in between. But what, what's your just looking back on his career? What what stands out to you? Well, first is just hard nosed, tough approach to basketball, but also just how skilled he was with X's and O's. I mean, there's a reason he won so many games and three national championships. You realize he was a head coach at Army at the age of 24? Uh-oh, looks like we might have lost Matt and Lars. Um, I think we'll take this time and take an early break, and then we'll figure out, of course, our random difficulties that we tend to have, and we'll be right back with Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny, cool afternoon. The high today around 61. Fair tonight, not as cold as last night, below 34. The warming trend continues tomorrow and Saturday. Sunny both days. The high tomorrow 67. The high Saturday at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. along with uh, Justin Jones. Talking about the death at age 83 of Bob Knight. Earlier in his career, everybody called him Bobby, but it seemed like as he got older, more people just started calling him Bob. And I think that was by his request. But when you talk about Bob Knight and the state of Alabama, most people immediately go to that 76 season, Lars, that you were talking about at the top of the show when they went undefeated. In order to go undefeated, they had to go through Alabama. And Alabama had one of its best teams ever. Head coach was C.M. Newton. Wimp was on the bench. I just read these starters, and I think, my word. The starters for Alabama were Leon Douglas, Anthony Murray, T.R. Dunn, best backcourt defenders in the history of the game, in my opinion. Ricky Brown, and, of course, the mule, Reggie King. And they lost to Indiana 74-69. to I remember standing, because we didn't sit, in our fraternity house TV room. And there was probably, I don't know, 30, 40 of us crammed in there and pulling for the Crimson Tide. Because, man, going to the games back then was just something really, really special. Because they were so good, so fun to watch. But... There were some calls at the end of the ball game that, and I'm, you know, Lars, I'm, a, I'm an officials guy. I, I don't just say they did this, they do that on purpose. But there were a couple of questionable calls late that, and you don't, you don't make a bad call in front of thirty fraternity guys because we started throwing stuff and we went crazy. Anyway, that's not the story. The fact that, uh, that I think they made a couple of calls, you know, Bob Knight was very intimidating to officials. Bob Knight was very intimidating to other coaches, and I saw this personally. But it appeared to me that maybe they wanted Indiana to advance. They don't, you don't want Alabama going to the Elite Eight. Um, you know, you want Indiana, the big star, the superstars, the people that watch TV. 
anyway, that's just my own personal thought on that. But what I'm really getting to here is that after the game, Bob Knight said, that's the best team we've played all year. And he almost, almost said they probably should have won. But he wasn't going to go that far. But you mentioned Bob Knight in Alabama, especially with us old schoolers. You're going to get that very same story, Lars. Yeah. Um, you know, overall, he won 902 games. And as you mentioned, he started at Army. was at Army from 65 to 71. And then that run at Indiana from 71 to 2000. And then finished his coaching career at uh, Texas Tech from 2001 to 08. And... You know, he was just, uh, he was the last of a, of a certain breed, right? He was, uh, he was just, a, he could be terrifying, frankly, to, to reporters and to fans and to players. Uh, and he didn't interact very well with the outside world, but he was just so skilled with players and a masterful teacher. And if you survived playing for him, he was going to be your biggest supporter in everything you did in your life. And he would have your back no matter what. And, um, you know, he was nicknamed the general uh, for just how he carried himself and his coaching roots at, at West Point. But, you know, he, he really was, uh, <laughs> he was more like an unforgiving drill sergeant than a general. But there's just, uh, again, I mentioned there, there's just uh, two sides of him, this, this, this incredible dichotomy of a, of a, of a man who is a, a, a volcano always about ready to erupt. But then, and, and, and that made him like a, a, a sideline star, so to speak, right? Like you had to see what he was going to do on the sideline. You know, we, he's known for, you know, throwing the chair across uh, the, the court at Assembly Hall. But then he was this amazing storyteller with a great wit. And if he chose, he could actually uh, be incredibly charming. He could be incredibly entertaining. Um, and you know, but it just, uh, he, he just, he did things his own way, right? And, and he played the game. He had his players, you know, do the things his way. And that was play with discipline, fundamentals, toughness, smarts, preparation, respect, and always, Matt, always, always, always man to man defense. Oh, yeah. Ways. Always. <laughs> and, and you remember <laughs> what he said? Oh, I wish we had this. I wish we could have pulled this up. I forgot about this. Um, over the assembly hall public PA system, he said, yes. quote, when my time on earth is gone and my activities yes. here are past, I want them to bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was night. Clever, that, that crude, was, in your face, and he just won one and one. And he also choked a player. He threw a chair. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I he, mean. Yeah, he, he threw a chair. And he wants uh, Puerto Rico against Purdue. He wants uh, stuffed a, a heckling LSU fan into a garbage can. You know? Like, yeah, he once got into an argument with somebody uh, next to a salad bar in a grocery store. <laughs> um, that was and probably... When my time most, on earth is gone... And my activities here are past. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my...
Well, <laughs> they muted. Larson's not. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a word we can't say? Um, uh, and and you know what he said about writers. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, yeah. he believed like he, he believed all writers were incompetent. And he said, uh, all of us learn to write in second grade. Most of us go on to do greater things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Would you like to have been a beat writer for him? No. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, I, of course. Of course. I mean, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. He, um, gosh, there are just so many funny stories about him. Here's a, here's another one involving the state, and that's when uh, Sonny Smith had an unbelievable team. It was right around the time that he had Person and Barkley, and it may they may not even been a part of this team, but he had coached up another team, and they were two or th they were a couple of games into the NCAA tournament. And guess what? They get Indianapolis, and they get Indiana and Indianapolis. I think it was, or it was a it was a almost a home game for Indiana. And Auburn was just as good. And it was a great basketball game. Late in the game, um, Indiana started trailing by four or five and Knight was really aggravated over uh, over a call. And you probably remember this because the videotape went around the world. But he walked along the scoring table and he slammed his fist down and a phone went flying up in the air and it dropped down and, you know, he grabbed the attention of everybody. He should have been teed up, but he wasn't. But like the next eight calls went their way and they, they won by five. But that's how intimidating he was to a scorer's table, to the officials, to his players. He, uh, he had an amazing effect. And we'll go into that with Murray Bartow. Um, Gene and his dad, Gene and Bob Knight were close, close friends. In fact, when Murray finished at UAB, Gene picked up the phone. He called Bob Knight. Guess where, uh, Murray went as a GA? Bloomington. Yeah. So he's got some great stories he'll share with us here. You know, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. There's so so many uh, great stories. You know, uh, late in his career, he wrote an inspirational book, and, and the title was The Power of Negative Thinking. <laughs> um, and and this, is, this is maybe the most remarkable stat. So there was a time when he was the winningest coach in NCAA history, but he just had one player – that would go on to become an NBA All-Star, and that was Isaiah Thomas, who didn't like him, right? But I'm, but but what that illustrates is that he won with less talent, right? Uh, and, and with Knight, the winning was um, it, it was a byproduct of, of a team being greater than the individual, right? A team exceeding its individual talent. And, um, and, uh, you know, everything was built on being smarter, more efficient, less mistake prone than the opponent. Um, he made practices harder than the games and he didn't mind it if his players hated him. Why? Because it bonded the players together. I mean, and just, uh, you know, he, he believed in, in teaching the kids and how, how, how to play the game, not just to watch them run up and down the court like we see today. Um, and it would be, it, it would be interesting. Like you'd watch him during games and he often just sat on the bench observing with his mouth shut, 
rather than pointing and screaming at, screaming at everyone or, or you know ordering a, a screen or a cut. Um, and he often said, you, "You you don't play against opponents; you play against the game of basketball." And uh, you know he also was known for treating everyone the same from from the star player to the, the kid who rode the bench um and uh the student managers uh they they had to work during practice uh you know shagging balls during rebounding drills um and uh it, even like night i believe he his student managers he produced more student managers who became coaches than any other coach in history. I mean, Lawrence Frank in the NBA, um, Dusty May, uh, who took uh, Florida Atlantic to the Final Four. Um, and, I mean, his coaching tree is pretty amazing because uh, we mentioned Mike Krzyzewski, uh from Army was his assistant and uh, Chris Beard and, and current IU coach Mike Woodson. But um, just really... Uh, just a one of a kind guy, one of a kind guy, and really? um, and you know there's <laughs> he. Uh, um, I remember one year at, at Texas Tech, he, he did he he felt that he just hadn't done a good job, and he returned his entire two hundred fifty thousand dollars salary. You know, and he donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to libraries throughout his career. Um, and he, 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 he just didn't care about his income, really. Um, but at one, at one point, he was one of the most in demand corporate speakers in the country. Yeah. Um, yes, he commanded quite a fee. Hey, uh, Homer has a thought on this. Let's go to Homer as he's dialed 205. Three four two nine nine zero four. Good afternoon, guys. Hey there. Hey there. Um, while you're talking about Bobby Knight, I just wanted to toss one thought that I had out there and see what y'all think. But to me, Bobby Knight was to Big Ten basketball what Woody Hayes was to Big Ten football. <laughs> Pretty. Pretty good parallel, right? That, that's a really good um, analogy. Thank you, Homer. Yeah, really yeah. good. The comparison. rise and the fall. I think you said that yeah. uh, he was referred to as the general, right? Mm, yeah. Right. Didn't they refer to Woody Hayes something like that too? Um, you know, I don't Did know. He had some kind of mil- military yeah. background. Yeah, I'm not sure that. Um, wouldn't surprise I think you'll me. find something there. A very common thread uh, among a lot of coaches that they're. They may not have been in the military, but they were big history buffs about the military. And Bob right. Knight was that guy. I think, and but their uh, their intensity is what got them both dismissed from the schools they were affiliated with. Yes, Woody Hayes true. was um, was in the Navy for five years, and he enlisted six months before Pearl Harbor. Oh yeah. Yeah. But that was all I wanted to. I, I just want to toss that out there and see what y'all thought about that. No, I've always a, thought that. One of the best calls him. we've had. Yeah, that's a really, really, really good uh, parallel. With Woody Hayes, though, I, I, it seems like that one moment was kind of out of character for him. 
right? Whereas with Bobby Knight, it was more a pattern of behavior. Does that seem somewhat well, accurate to you, or am I wrong it, on that? Certainly, there were there were more incidences with Knight. That, that's no question about it. But I I think the deal against Clemson may have been, may have revealed more about um, Woody Hayes than we'd known. But um, I like what Homer said. Uh, I think you can draw a parallel between the two. So we'll see that. But uh, you know, I um, because of my involvement with UAB basketball and their broadcast team, um, and you know, I did some games when Gene Bartow was the coach, and I did a lot of games when Murray. In fact, I think I did all of Murray's game in his entire career. But because of that and the Bartow's relationship with Bob Knight, I was around him. And I, you know, it's not like we, you know, we're buddy buddy or anything like that. But I was around him in both basketball situations and some, and a little bit on the social side too. And he, you know, I hate to say this because I don't think anybody else really. He, um, he made you put you on eggshells. Let's just say that. And I always kind of prided myself on thinking, well, you know. This coach is just a guy. This player is just another player, and I'm going to approach him just like I would anyone else. Bob Knight, and it, for me, um, that didn't happen. I kind of stayed at arm's length and let everybody else talk and ask a question every once in a while. But um, he was one of those guys, when he walked into the room, everybody shut up. When Bryant, Paul Bryant walked into a room, everybody was just quiet and there's a big difference and a big reason uh, and a big difference between the two. But Bob Knight, I could go on and on and on. I, I went to Texas Tech with UAB one year, and we actually beat them. Boy, that went over well. Knight losing at home, trying at a struggling Texas Tech team, and covered a game in Bloomington. UAB went up there. It was was uh, really, really cool, but... I could share a little of those memories, but Murray Bartow will do a better job when we get to him at the top of the hour. Lars, let's take a break. When we get back, let's talk about a couple other things going on in the world of sports. By the way, the World Series is over, and uh, the um, the least attention paid to World Series maybe in the history of baseball. I wonder if you just woke, woke up this morning and asked some of your sports fans, who won the World Series, how many of them would actually know? You're listening to Big News Sports. It's presented by Haley Sansing, Union Hall Morgan. Join Tide. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It is the Big Spoon. Big Spoon. Big News Sports Network. It's Lars, it's Matt, it's Justin. Talking about the uh, passing of Bob Knight. There are other things we're going to get into as well, but wanted to go first to a phone call. Chris has dialed Big Noon Sports at 205-342-9904. Chris, how are you on this sunny day? Hey, gentlemen, I'm good. Enjoying the weather. Um, I wanted to bring this up and see what y'all have thought about this um i think this is a real pivotal time for the ncaa body as a whole uh mainly centered around this michigan thing uh you know i i fully the more and more i think about it, i agree with what coach bryant talked about how you know he believed that the ncaa would eventually just disband and there would be you know i guess self-governing governing bodies within you know super conferences and 
I fully believe that that is a solution uh, that could be successful. And I just think it's really hinging on right now this, this Michigan scandal because, you know, it seems like they're going to try and draw this out as long as they can. Typical of how the NCAA committee does with infractions and investigations. And I think that's ridiculous with the information they have that, you know, this, this coach was caught basically red-handed and they've got a, a a trail a mile long with evidence showing this and you can argue all you want in my opinion that well this was an inside job it was assistance taking it on but everything rises and falls on the head coach in that house that's his house and he's managing it and he should have total oversight of what's going on especially with something of this magnitude that stretched over multiple seasons many games and I just don't see how they can allow this team to be in the number one, you know, uh, playoff rankings and number two, how they're, you know, kind of dismissing it. And these other coaches in the conference are hot about it. I just, I just think that, you know, if they mishandle this, this could really push for, you know, we're already having super conferences that are, you know, coming into the future. And I think this could really be the start of, hey, NCAA is, is no more because they, it's a joke that they, if you can't handle this in a timely manner and bring down the sanctions, I think Harbaugh should be gone. I think it's a disgrace. He's already had a suspension this year and it just follows him wherever he goes. Controversy. And I just, I don't know. I want to see what your y'all's thoughts were well, on that. You know a lot more about that. I don't know if I know a lot more about it, but I, I can offer this up. I think they, that, uh, college football is going to move in the direction you referred to. But here's the rub. When they get to that level, and let's say they got 60 teams and they have their own governing body, will that governing body have any more authority than the NCAA? And, and that's the issue, in my opinion, the, the largest issue. Lars, they can't just go in and buttonhole a guy and get information because they don't have any power. They don't have the subpoena authority. They can't get the information if nobody wants to willingly talk about it. And most of the people uh, involved in this innocent are probably – you think Harbaugh is going to talk to them? No. And assistant coaches, the ones that allegedly received the information, when and if they get to a plateau where they have five super conferences or, or the, like, the like of, they're going to have to have a governing body that's got some muscle. Lars? Yeah. Um this is such a complicated situation um so okay we're dealing about it's called nca bylaw 11.6.1 which states off-campus in-person scouting of future opponents in the same season is prohibited and um, sign sealing itself is not technically against the rules unless signs and signals are recorded and then subsequently used, uh, you know, to uh, scout. Um, now, Harbaugh has denied everything, but um, it, it seems pretty clear that his offensive coordinator knew what was going on. His defensive coordinator knew what was going on. The NCA is currently, you know, on campus investigating, uh, this, uh, violation. And 
you know, there are many people out there saying that um, that the uh, Michigan should not have the opportunity to play in the Big Ten. Now, I think that is extreme. Probably all these are extreme because if uh, we look to the past and if past is prologue, NCAA is not going to do anything this year. The problem is we know for a fact that um, this uh, th- that that Connor Stallions and his his operation that he had going on with buying these tickets of uh, future opponents right across from uh, like right at the 50 yard line. So you could get clear signals or clear shots of of the team's uh, signs that this was going on as as recently as three weeks ago. So it was going on this year. And um you know, even uh, Matt Rule at Nebraska, like he thought something weird was going on. Um, and the Rutgers head coach, uh, Greg Schiano, he, he said, he, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and Matt Goyne, uh, everyone thought something really strange was, was happening. Um, and so what is the appropriate punishment? I don't know. Uh, I hope that something does come down this year, but you also have to remember that Michigan is very powerful. Uh, it's a blue blood program. Um, I do think that the Raiders who just fired their head coach, um, they were interested in hiring Jim Harbaugh in 2022. And uh, I think come January, Jim Harbaugh could be the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Wow. Um, practices during the, the COVID-19 uh, dead period. Um, and that's a, a hey, level Lars, two sorry, violation. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Um, we're battling today, but you cut out for half a second there. If you could start over, the last we heard was your prediction that Harbaugh was going to be the next head coach of the Raiders. Yeah, so uh, Harbaugh was, um, uh, I, I know that that, uh, that that Mark Davis, the head coach of the, or, I'm sorry, the owner of the Raiders, was interested in Harbaugh in 2022. And I think come January, given that the Raiders just fired Josh McDaniel, I think Harbaugh, I think there's a good chance that Harbaugh will become the next head coach of the Raiders because not only is there this sign stealing investigation going on, but he's also the subject of, 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 uh, of an NCAA investigation, a, a level two violation related to recruitment practices during the COVID-19 uh, dead period, as well as giving misleading information to investigators. And so when Harbaugh comes out and claims that, hey, I don't know what's going on here with the sign stealing. I don't know anything about it. I mean, he has zero credibility, zero credibility. So what's going to happen? I, I, I would be, Matt, I mean, I, I'll put it to you. What, what, what do you think? Do you think the NCAA I don't think will, anything's going to happen yeah. this year. I, I, yeah. I think the penalties will be done in the rearview mirror, and they won't be nearly as impactful. 
And I, I think that, uh, and then Harbaugh will probably leave the turmoil that he's created. And like you said, go to Vegas. Wow. Did, is that close to what you think? Yes. That's exactly what I think. All right. Hey, Lars, let's do some more of this. Good show. Good energy. Your phone calls can be a part of this at 205-342-9904. Again, Murray Bartow will be joining at the top of the hour. We'll do a little Reaganomics predictions. i got to find out how we did last week. I'm thinking I didn't do very well. But the power of positive thinking. The title of Knight's book is very crazy. Hey, this show is being presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Join us tomorrow for a free-for-all Friday as we'll bring in the score prediction contest. We're looking for you to tell us if Bama can hold the LSU offense down. We'll also have a Bama wins if segment. Tell us what you think Bama needs to do to win. And then we'll also get your pair of the game candidates. Those conversations and more right here on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and 1230 AM WTBC. Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny, cool afternoon. The high today around 61. Fair tonight, not as cold as last night, below 34. The warming trend continues tomorrow and Saturday, sunny both days. The high tomorrow 67, the high Saturday at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, it's Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Justin Jones. Talked a lot about Bob Knight, and we'll continue to talk about Bob Knight. But, uh, you know, lately, in the last couple of weeks, the story just seems to circle back around and come back to Michigan, Lars. Yeah, and so guess who is trending on Twitter right now? Connor Stallions, right? And uh, there is this insane video from the 2022 Ohio State game on the sideline. You can see. So it's, uh, it is uh, second and nine. Ohio State has the ball. It's second and nine from the uh, 14-yard line. It, the game is in the first quarter. Ohio State is leading seven to three, and Ohio State is on Michigan's, uh, um, like I said, fourteen. Before the play is run, a camera goes to Stallions, who's right next to the defensive coordinator Jesse Minner. Stallions, you can see his, you can see him say, "Run right, run right." Then Minner, into his headset, yells, "Run right, run right." Guess what happens? Michigan immediately crashes both safeties. They leave the middle of the field wide open. Wide open. Okay? Both safeties go to uh, their left, which is the, 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 the right for Ohio State. They crash in. Boom. Two-yard loss. 
critical point in the game. I mean, I know it's yes. early, but it you know you but, bring but, that but up. But it? they say this run. They knew they knew the play. Is yeah. obviously they knew the play. It was run right on second and nine, and you're not necessarily going to run right on second and nine. It's a passing situation. Lars, it seems to me, in a perfect world of college football, you would just present that to a committee and they'd say, that's enough evidence, you're gone. Yeah. Because there's a lot more evidence. And, and you know, finger pointing from coaches that are saying this is going on. I mean, how much evidence do you need to at least temporarily suspend a guy? Uh, evidently, a, a lot more. But you make me think about something going into a little bit of depth here. If you used the information you were able to obtain every play, it would be very, very obvious. So the play you set up and described very well, by the way, it seemed like you're you're losing 7-3. You got to make something happen. So do you think they were select in their use of the information? Uh, yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, Harbaugh's on the set. On, on the headset, and it, 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 it's, this is yeah, of course not. But it, it's that it, they have in this situation that I'm talking about, just this one play, right? You, you see Connor Stallions talk to Jesse Minner, and then Miss, Jesse Minner talks into his headset, and then you can see someone. And I, I did I left this part out. Jesse then in, in, in so Jesse Minner, the DC, talks into the headset. And then a guy standing right next to Jesse Minner, what does he do? He holds up a sign. Says, and then the sign basically says, run right. They're going to run right. And so the ah. two safeties, the, the two safeties, they start running at right at the line of scrimmage before the snap. Before the snap. Zero, zero fear of a pass on a second and nine. Run right. And then the following play. They, the Ohio State quick snaps it. And you can clearly hear or clearly see Connor um, say, it's a pass. It's a pass. What happens? Incomplete. They double cover uh, the uh, wide receiver on the right. On the, that, that, uh, um, uh, 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 who's the quarterback? Uh, the guy, the Texans now. Um, Anyway, he the Ohio State quarterback Stroud, threw, threw, CJ Stroud. Stroud, Stroud, yeah. So Stroud throws to the right, and the the, the receiver is double covered, and so you can clearly see two plays in a row. Stallion says, "Run right, run right." Both the safeties crash. Zero fear of pass. Uh, two yard loss. Then quick snap, quick snap, and you hear Stallion see or you see him say, "It's a pass. It's a pass." to the DC then the DC says in the headset sign next sign goes up saying it's a pass and the, and you also can see the entire Michigan defense looking at the sign that's being held up I mean it, it, this is obvious that's a lot of tells yes i mean this is obvious and of course Jim Harbaugh knew what was going on because the head coach he is listening to his defensive coordinator and he's so got to know. have staff meetings involved where they would have yes. to go over how they're going to use this information. Absolutely. There's no way to coordinate it, especially on a quick snap where you get it right. Yeah. 
No, I mean, uh, this is the most, uh, you know, I've been following this very closely, and this is the most, um, this is the most damning evidence. And, and also, you see stallions in, in all these different clips. He's standing right next to Harbaugh. Um, and he's, and Harbaugh. Harbaugh? Yes. Yeah. Well, in some, yes. And in, in, in some instances, Jeez. you see Harbaugh even take off his headset and Stallions tells him something. And then Harbaugh says, uh, then Harbaugh speaks into his headset like very urgently. You know, you know it, it's just. Uh, it makes you wonder. This what is going to be a. Yes. The one play Don't I described was 2022. Figured this out? I mean, these other teams. Well, well okay. There's, 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 a, there's a, there, yes. There's a, there is some scuttlebutt that this whole thing was initiated by Ryan Day. That this investigation, uh, that Ohio State is behind this, and uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's this is going to be a hell of a thirty for thirty on Connor Stallion. So that's for sure. No, this is going to have to be. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, 400 by 400 or something like that because um, I mean right now it looks like they're skewered I mean how how, how could Michigan possibly get out of this I mean, I mean and, so and this much is damning and this information is, and you know what's even crazier Central Michigan now is investigating photos that show a man who looks just like Connor Stallion dressed up as a Central Michigan staffer. Well, Lars, we went over this uh, yesterday. Like, um, I'm pretty sure we played that audio, Matt, on the show. I'm pretty sure it is. Jim McElwain comes out and says, we don't know who this guy is. There's no press pass. Yeah, there's the, no the sign stealing. Yeah, and he sign referred to him as the guy. Yeah. sign stealing guy. The SSG. Yeah. He's got a new name. SSG. I love, by the way, I love Jim McElwain. He was wow. so good to me when he was at Alabama. I mean, really, just a wonderful guy. He got a raw he deal at Florida. Wasn't it? Wasn't he the one that was, was fiction with some kind of shark or something? Yeah, and it wasn't. It, but it wasn't him. It wasn't yep. him. It, 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 and he just he got railroaded because of that. And, and also, it, it caused a lot of trauma in his own own personal life wow. because of what happened to him. Social media, baby, love it or just leave it alone. Hey, um, you're listening to Big Ten Sports. Murray Bartow will join us at the top of the hour right here. Show is presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Don't forget, Lars and myself will be live at Ennis Free tomorrow noon to two. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles, here's Isaac Lowenkron. Today, New York Giants head coach Brian Dayball ruled out quarterback Terod Taylor and tight end Darren Waller for Sunday's game at Las Vegas due to injuries. Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson, who is dealing with a lingering shoulder injury, says he does not know yet if he'll be able to play this Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. Watson added that he jumped the gun when he decided to play two weeks ago against the Indianapolis Colts. 
Chicago Bears defensive tackle Andrew Billings has agreed to a two-year extension worth a reported $8.5 million. New York Jets five-time Pro Bowl tackle Dwayne Brown returned to practice today. Brown's missed the last five games with a hip injury. The Buffalo Bills have signed veteran defensive lineman Linval Joseph, while the Las Vegas Raiders have signed free agent linebacker Jalen Smith. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Big Noon Sports is presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Been talking a lot about uh, the passing of Bob Knight and gave Murray Barto a text last night, and I appreciate you joining us, Murray, because probably a pretty trying time because, um... hey, first of all, how are you, Murray? All, all is good. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay, man. How are you? Good, good. Murray is, of course, former UAB player and coach and currently with Charlotte Hornets. I want to ask you about Brandon here in a minute, but... First things first, uh, what were your immediate thoughts when you heard of the passing of Bob Knight? Because you coached under him. You know, I did. I spent two years with Coach, and uh, I loved it. And it was an incredible experience for me. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, it's it's a sad day for all of those who played for him or worked for him. You know, Coach has been sick for a while, so this doesn't really come as a shock or surprise to those of us who knew him and and because uh, he had been sick for quite some time but uh yeah it's a sad day what are your um what, what, what is the most enduring memory you have or or, or or favorite story you have of coach Knight? you know that's hard some some of those good stories i probably can't tell you on air but uh <laughs> but he, uh, he, I tell you, he, he was an incredible coach. Just tough, very demanding, uh, very certain of the way he wanted the game to be played. You know, offensively, he was a motion offense guy. Defensively, he was a man-to-man guy, and he didn't really budge from that at all. But he was just an incredible coach, very, very hard, very demanding. Uh, you had to be mentally tough to play for him. But uh, he was one heck of a great coach. Sorry, Murray. I, I had a microphone issue here real quick. But, Murray, what did he do from an X's and O's standpoint? Because, as you just said, he kind of stuck to, you know, he danced with the partner he went to the prom with. But... I, I always had the feeling that he was just very skilled mentally with the X's and O's part of the game, even though it didn't seem to change. And I, I, I think I worded that question bad. Maybe it got through to you. No, no. he, No, you, when you played Indiana, when he was the coach, you knew what you were going to see. You know, you knew you were going to be staring at a hard man-to-man defense. Uh, Coach was not a press guy. Coach was not a zone guy. So you knew it was going to be, you were going to be staring at a half-court man-to-man defense. And then offensively, you really couldn't prepare for sets because he didn't run many sets. He was a motion guy and ran a lot of motion. So, but Matt, just he was an incredible coach in terms of the fundamentals of the game, in terms of practices. And, you know, I, I remember so vividly at practices where he would, 
you know, we might be going up and down the court five on five, scrimmaging or whatever. He'd blow his whistle. He'd stop it. He might point out six, seven, eight different things that he had just seen on one possession. And uh, he just had an incredible eye for the game. Great teacher. Again, very demanding, very tough in his approach, but uh, one heck of a great coach. What was Coach Knight like privately? Uh, was he the same as his public persona, or was he uh, sort of different than uh, most fans would uh, know, the, or the fans that the, the Bob Knight, the, the Bob Knight, the most fans know? Excuse me. You know, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I, you know, at least again, I was a young GA when I worked for Coach, so I was just leaving UAB. I was. 23, 24 years old. Tammy and I moved to Bloomington and I got my master's there and I was there in 86 and 87. And so, so for me, he, you know, I was, I was probably not around him on his, uh, the times where maybe he was just hanging out or a little looser. It was pretty much business with, with me around me. I would, I would have to drive him to the airport some the the airport that we used was in indianapolis so that was about an hour from bloomington so as a grad assistant every now and then i would have to drive him to the indianapolis airport and uh some mornings he would you know you you wouldn't hear from him much coach was was an avid reader so sometimes he would get in the passenger seat and pretty much read the whole entire time and then other times he was more talkative but uh so, so I do think he had a lighter side to him, but uh, dur- during the season, at least from my recollection, he was very, you know, very serious, very businesslike, and uh, wanted to wanted to always have a very good team to, that he put out on the floor, and he was very demanding of what he expected. Murray Bartow is our guest on Big Noon Sports. Murray, was he tough or tougher on his assistant coaches than he was his players? <laughs> he was. We all we all got our fair share. It didn't matter if you were a grad assistant or an assistant or a player. We all got. Uh, we kind of all got our, our fair share. But uh, you know, again, he was uh, incredibly good. You know, I again, it was great for me, Matt. I played for my dad, and you know, I don't know if I ever heard my dad say a cuss word in my entire life. And then obviously it was a little different the two years I was up there with coach (laughs) Knight, but, uh, so it was very, it was very good for me seeing it two different ways. And, and, and coach Knight always told me the same thing. Really. My dad told me, just be yourself. Don't, you know, coach Knight would say, Hey, you know, you don't want to be exactly like me. You may not want to be just exactly like your dad, but you've got to find a happy medium. And so it was really, it was a great learning experience for me to be around coach for those two years. Murray, didn't, uh, didn't we play at Bloomington and then later maybe at Texas Tech? Um, you know, my memory's not what it used to be, but, um, I think we did some games from there. Were you the, sorry, but I, I think you well, were the coach no. and that's the reason we played them. Yeah, we, you know, my memory is not what it used to be either, Matt. Of course, we had Indiana one year in Birmingham. You know, if you remember, we marketed that in Birmingham as a night of basketball. 
billboard. We yeah. had billboards everywhere, sold out the Civic Center. We were really in pretty good shape to win that game, I felt, until late later in the, I think, in the second half, Coach Knight went crazy and got a technical, and the, mm-hmm. the, the game kind of turned their way from that point out, and we ended up losing that game. But, uh, yeah, I played coach a couple times. He, again, my dad and coach were good friends, and that's what led me to be, you know, to be able to have the opportunity to go to Bloomington and be a grad assistant for him those two years. And do you think the the I'm kind of going back to the same question I asked, but the, the perception, the public perception of Coach Knight. In the, the fact that he could be, you know, pretty, somewhat rough with with players, was, was that fair? And also, it, it seems like there was just a dichotomy with him because if you were one of his guys and you kind of survived his program, he would have your back for the rest of your life, and he would be your biggest supporter, and he would go out of his way to help you any way possible. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about it. You know, some guys came in as freshmen and, quite frankly, just couldn't handle it. You know, and again, I, I was there with him two years, never saw anything close to being physical uh, with a player. But mentally now, he was tough. You know, he was very tough in the way he coached you. And But, you know, again, you could talk to, you know, Steve Alford, obviously, is a, is a close friend and Steve was a junior and senior the two years I was in Indiana and you know Steve would you know do anything for coach and they've been very good friends over the years I was just with Keith Smart the other day who I was with in Indiana Keith is now an assistant at Arkansas and so I was just with Keith and of course Keith's the one that hit the big shot in the, in the corner and helped us win the national championship but coach was incredibly loyal to the guys that were loyal and played played for him there at indiana and texas tech and so yeah i think there's different sides to him again when you played for him very very demanding when you coached for him he was very demanding of what he wanted and what he expected but you know he had a a different side to him too a very avid reader smart very well-read person obviously he he loved to hunt spent a lot of time hunting and fishing and the golfing he loved to play golf but uh, so he had a different side to him as well Murray let's talk a little bit about what you're doing you're continuing to scout for the Charlotte Hornets and I'm looking up uh, the stats on Alabama's um, Brandon Miller, 15.5 points per game. He's third-leading scorer on the team. You're better at breaking this down. How's he doing? He's doing well. He's really off to a good start. You know, he kind of got off to a slow start. Him Obviously, we drafted him number two in the draft. And, you know, he was sick a little bit at the end of his year last year with Alabama. That kind of kept lingering on. He really didn't have what I would consider a, I'm just speaking for myself, but he didn't play great in Las Vegas in the summer league. Uh, but now he's gotten stronger and he's continuing to get healthier and, and he's put on a little weight now since he's been in Charlotte. 
and uh, he's off to a great start. I mean, he's, you know, he's in the mold of a kind of a Jason Tatum, Paul George type player. He's really smart, knows how to play. I was talking to Steve Clifford recently, who's our coach, and, you know, he told me and really told our group that, you know, Brandon is just so smart. He's one of those guys that once you tell him, something you don't have to tell him twice you know he's just got a great feel for the game and so you know he's off to a great start and we hope he's got a bright future ahead of him how is he um how's he handling the kind of the off the court deal because he's still is he 18 19 now he's got all this money now he's got all this fame and fortune uh, a lot of times players don't handle that initially as well. Is Brandon doing okay in that area? I think he is, Matt. Matt, I, as you know, I live in Birmingham, so I'm not, I'm not in Char. I'm very close to, you know, our organization, obviously, because I'm, I work and I scout and I'm traveling a lot, but I'm physically not there. But from everything I've heard, he's been a, you know, a model citizen to this point, been great. Obviously, as a young NBA guy, it's what happens to, to them all. They get a lot of money, and uh, you hope they're going to be smart, mature, and, and handle that the right way. And at least what I've heard, he's been fabulous to this point. Just from afar, what are your thoughts on how the number one overall draft pick, uh, Wemby, is playing for um, San Antonio? You know, he's talented. He's really skilled. He's really talented. He's obviously over the next two or three years, he'll continue to get, number one, he'll just get a little older. He's still a young kid, but he'll he'll get a little older. He'll gain experience. He's going to get bigger, thicker, stronger. And as he does that, he's he's got the whole, you know, I mean, he's 7'4", and he's incredibly skilled. So, you know, he's got an incredible future. He's just, he's just, uh, he's a very unusual talent in that he's so tall and so skilled. Yeah, it's, uh, I hate the word sometimes, he's freak, but uh, physically he's, he's kind of freaky. Just, uh, he's unique. <laughs> Let's put it that way, Murray. Hey, Murray, he's tell unique. Tammy and all, the, t- <laughs> tell Tammy and, and your sons that we said, hey, and I appreciate you joining us. Okay, guys. Thank you. Thank you. you bet. Matt. Murray Bartow. Really, really good guy. I think you can tell that. All right. Uh, let's pr- take a break. And when we get back, I don't know if we're ever going to talk about the World Series or not. I'll take 30 seconds on it anyway. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny, cool afternoon. The high today around 61. Fair tonight. Not as cold as last night. The low 34. The warming trend continues tomorrow and Saturday. Sunny both days. The high tomorrow 67. The high Saturday at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, 
Big Noon Sports, our flagship station in Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, which now includes the heritage station, WTBC, Tuscaloosa Broadcasting Company, AM 1230. Cool to be back on that signal after 40-something years. Very, very cool. Last night of the World Series, the Rangers topped the Diamondbacks by a score of 5-0. to zero. That was game five. Rangers win it four games to one. This is one of the more amazing stats. There, there are two that jump out of me, and uh, they were brought up a lot during the series and especially last night. But Texas went into the postseason ending 11-0 on the road. I, I don't know and didn't hear if that's some kind of a record. I imagine if you go back to the days where they only had two teams in the World Series, that was probably matched. But now that you've got so many games in postseason, to go undefeated on the road is just amazing. And Bruce Bochy. Now, Lars, you may not be a huge baseball fan, but I know you keep up with the managers. Yes. Um, normally, when you think greatest managers ever, you know, you think of uh, Earl Weaver or um, Joe Torre. Joe Torre. Um, Bochy has four rings. Wow. Dusty Baker, who just retired, he has four rings. <laughs> the flatulent and, one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to write an autobiography, and that should be his title. <laughs> I, I should say, I am flatulent. Um, but uh, when you start talking about great managers in Major League Baseball history, Bruce Bochy doesn't come to mind immediately, does he? No. And uh, frankly, I don't think most of the country knows much about him. Um, was he a catcher? I'm just guessing. You know, I'm looking it up right now because um, I want to know, too, what his baseball background was. Um, um, so what what is the big story? What's the big takeaway from this season for you? When we look back on the 2023 Major League Baseball season, what would be the uh, the lead of the story of this year? Would it be the the pitch clock? Uh, yeah. Uh, the elimination of the shift. Yeah. You know, and and do you bases. think all of these things didn't have as much effect on the game as I originally thought? But, but did you think it was a, a success? Yeah, I think most of their decisions were successful. And I have always thought that uh, pitchers and, as I've said, more hitters, they, they, they don't need to step. And I, I go off on hitters more than anything. Most pitchers like to work pretty fast. They get a lather up and they want to work into a rhythm. And sometimes batters are trying to step out and take that rhythm away, which I understand and in my little playing would do. But uh, when you back out every pitch, you feign to look at your third base coach because you're not taking a signal anyway. You unwrap the left Velcro hand uh, and then the other glove on the other side, and then you pound your cleats. And I remember telling you last year that I was during the World Series and postseason, I was timing these guys at well over 30 seconds a pitch because of the hitter. So I went into a deep dive on that. I like the pitch count. In fact, I'll go as far as to say. I love the pitch count. By the way, Bochy was a catcher ah, and um, played in the majors. He was uh, obviously not a superstar. 
He was um, appeared, debuted with the Astros, finished with the Padres. Catcher's numbers, you know, hit 239, 26 home runs. Boy, he did not play a bunch when he was even in the building. Matt, but then, as a manager with the Padres, the Giants, and the Rangers, he has four rings. I guess most of them come with the Giants there. That's can pretty you, incredible. Can you explain again, and I, we, we've talked about this, but um, can you explain again why catchers typically make the best managers? Well, um, I kiddingly say, um, when asked about catchers in general, why are they the smartest players on the diamond? Because they're the only ones facing the right direction. But there is truth to that. They see the field. They call the pitches. Uh, they know what defense and where you're shading. They are the um, – they're more the quarterback of the team. Uh, they're Certainly technology has changed uh, the pitching calls and selections as well. But um, And they're also usually very tough. I mean, catchers are tough-nosed guys. Catchers could play hockey. Most Major League Baseball couldn't play hockey. <laughs> Although Gladden was a good hockey player. He was drafted in the fourth round. But back to Bochy. Uh, catchers. Um, Torrey. Um, guy was with the Angels a few years ago. He was a really good catcher. Um, and, and now Bochy. Catchers just know the game better. If I, I just wanted, if I'm going to put it into one sentence, they know the game better because their perspective is clear. Now, Here's something I did not know about Bochy. He was born in Boussac Forêt, France. Did you know that? I did not. No. He's from France. (laughs) 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 And I guess if you have my age to understand that from the Coneheads. But um, he's he's not recognized. He will be now. Um, Incredible World Series record. His postseason management skills, you know, a lot of players tune it up. I think he does, too. So probably all we'll talk about in baseball for, you know, the next two or three months. I will tell you, though, is um, Vegas has issued their odds. Who do you think they have as the leading candidate, the odds-on candidate to win the World Series? Your Atlanta Braves. Yeah, you are so right. I think we play better when we're... uh, pick to be fifth or something like that but yeah most you know, teams do. they're my team and, and i love them but have had the success since 91 moving forward and only have two world series it's um it's a little disappointing it's a lot disappointing. we probably should have had five don't you think probably yeah i mean with that pitching staff oh, my oh the goodness. one in the 90s yeah yeah that yeah. was troubling and uh, I mean, anyway. you got you, you. You go out. You you trot out Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, Steve Avery. I mean, how did you only win one World Championship? I don't know. And uh, by the way, you had pretty good hitting lineups too. Yeah. And uh, for a while, didn't you have Bruce Souter as the closer? Yeah, I don't think he was there terribly long. But um, and then Smoltz. Yeah. And I've never seen, by the way, I, I, we've never talked about this, but I've never seen a starting pitcher become an elite an elite closer like John Smoltz. Um, one other guy that immediately comes to mind is um, Eckersley. 
he was originally a starter for the Indians. Oh, yeah. You're and right. then he ended up being one of the most feared closers in all of major league. At one time, particularly when he gave up the big dinger to Kirk Gibson, he was the best in the business. Another pitcher who we this, – this happened a couple of weeks ago or maybe two weeks ago, uh, Tim Wakefield passing away. Yeah. That, that, that one hurt. That one hurt. Um, unique style because he threw a lot of knuckleballs. But um, – from all didn't he start? In, didn't he start though? As a he, he, he recreated his his you know, whole I career think you're right. with with the with the Pirates, I, and this is just all from memory, and I could be wrong. With the Pirates, he was uh, an overpowering pitcher, and then he came back. Uh, I think he had a, a elbow issue, and then just threw the knuckler. Is there are there any great knuckler knuckleball throwers right now? No, the last one um, was the guy that uh, actually won the Cy Young with the Cubs probably 10, 15 years ago. He was originally from Tennessee. Um, I'll find that answer during the break as, meanwhile, on deck is Reagan Starner from R&R, the Cigar Mansion. As always, this ought to be interesting. It will be interesting. Down to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is on a very, very sunny. Golly, it's Thursday. This week's flown by. It's it's Matt and Lars and Justin. Reagan will join us in just a second as I just had to kind of cover my tracks from last break. It was R.A. Dickey was the guy I was thinking about to pitch at Tennessee. And he, too, reinvented his game as he got to the bigs, but his stuff just wasn't good enough. So he redeveloped himself and started throwing a lot of knuckles and knuckle curves and ended up winning the Cy Young in 2012 for the Mets, not the Cubs, Matt. But anyway, Lars, are you ready? Let's open this thing up and see what happens. You never know. From, we're going to have to get you your own in. Your own intro, Reagan. Reagan Starner from R&R, the Cigar Mansion, joins us as we do our picks on Tuesday. How are you on Thursday? I'm great. I didn't know it was Tuesday, but it's apparently, it's, apparently it's Tuesday, so I went back in time, so I'm doing great. All right. Good enough. Lars, you are the keeper of the candle when it comes to this particular segment, so I can't believe this, but Reagan, do you know what Lars was last week? It was like 4-0, and, oh, and I was like 0-4. Oh okay, you did keep up. And then here's Matt, Mr. Middle of the Road. I went 2-2. Two and two. So, yeah. Lars, uh, you have 30 seconds to toot your own horn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The most successful gambler... The, the, hold on. The, the most successful gambler in the history of Las Vegas, at least someone who's known as that, is Billy Walters. My buddy Armin Katayan just wrote a book with Billy... And Billy's winning percentage in betting football over the course of his career is 57%. All right, 57%. Currently, yours truly, against the spread this year, I'm 28 and 8. That is a winning percentage of 78%. So people need to listen to, uh, to me, finally. 
You know, but my you, kids don't, don't listen to me. You <laughs> bet on these, which is uh, you got to. Well, um, okay, and, and Matt, Matt. Uh, so I'm 28 and eight. Matt, you're at 17 and 19, and and Reagan, you're coming off like you said a rough week. You're you're 16 and 20 overall. But Reagan, there's always next week. There's always the next game. That's the beauty of gambling. You you know, uh, there's always promise in the future. Um, all right, Reagan. Let's let's start with um, Missouri versus Georgia. Georgia is a sixteen point favorite. Mm. Well, you, you know what, Mister, I'm a Las Vegas legend. Like, <laughs> listen to me. You know, um, hey, why don't you go bet? Like, that's my question. <laughs> like why don't you go bet? Like you're you're like you're making all these like picks, right? Like you know, there's a casino over over in Philadelphia that has a sports book. Go bet some. Yeah, he doesn't have to drive to Philadelphia. No, my my car is still in the shop from the last time I was in Tuscaloosa. So, but if um, you were making I'm, all these sports bets, get you a brand new car. Something makes you feel. I know. Something that makes you feel my age. I know. I know. Well, I am sort of entering the throes of midlife crisis. So yeah, perfect. um, Go, go, go! Start doing sports betting. Buy a new sports car. I need a. I need a twenty-five-year-old girlfriend and a uh, sports car. Girlfriend. Well, I think we we're not short of the twenty-five-year-old girlfriends in this town. Um, (laughs) So we're going Georgia in Missouri. Uh, look, from now on, Lars, you're going to start leading off. But you know what? Like, I'm going to be the clown again, betting on Georgia's downfall. Like, I will be there no matter what when it happens. And, uh, look, I, you know, do I think Georgia's going to lose this game? Probably not. 15 is a lot of points to give up. I like Missouri. I think it's probably a little close. I think it's closer than 15. Um, you know, Florida's bad. Don't look at Florida. Missouri, you know, had a really tough luck game versus LSU and a really bad beat that I had on that game. Uh, so I like Missouri to cover this one. All right. I just did a little math, guys. Um, if Lars had put $100 on all of his picks this year at 28 and 8, he would have won. $1,920. Say la vie. Um, All right, what was the game we're picking? I was doing math. Yeah, uh, Missouri, Georgia, and uh, yeah, the, the line that Reagan has seen is, is 15. Georgia's favored by 15. I think Georgia has uh, reached their gear. I love this Missouri team. They're very underrated. They got a, a very skilled quarterback and a running back who I can't remember his name, but and that for that reason nobody knows who he is. But um, he's wonderful. But I think even without Bowers, Georgia has hit the gear that won them national championships back to back. So I know it's a lot of points, but Georgia's at home too. So I'm gonna take them dogs. Yeah, I'm going Georgia as well. I, I think they are um, they're hitting their stride and and hitting their peak at the at the right time. 
Um, all right, let's uh, let's go to the Big Twelve. Oklahoma coming off a really disappointing effort against Kansas, uh, playing Oklahoma State in uh, a rivalry game. Oklahoma State is at home and they're favored by six. And since uh, Reagan wants me to go first, I will. I think this is going to be a bounce back game for Oklahoma. They still are technically in the national championship picture. Uh, they just need to win out and, uh, I think they'll most likely get in, but they could get left out, but still, um, I think Oklahoma is going to bounce back and I think they win pretty handily here. Let's go to you, Matt. Uh, I'm going to go with OU, too. This this is suspicious to me. Um, I don't know. Is Oklahoma State that good? Six and two. Wow. Yeah, six and two. Uh, I'm taking the Sooners. Reagan? Well, I am. I'm really torn on this one, you know? Um, it's, it's, it's always an exciting, exciting game. It's a rivalry that Oklahoma has absolutely dominated. I mean, you look at the Wikipedia, it's all red, right? I think Oklahoma has won pretty handily. I don't, I don't know. Uh, 91, Oklahoma leads 91 to 19, okay? Oklahoma's won 91 times. Uh, how do you, how do you argue against that? <laughs> It's uh, not much of a rivalry, really. I mean, yeah. And it's still called a rivalry. Uh, I mean, look, 91 times they've won it. But when it's in Stillwater, Okie State has a chance. So, look, I'm not, I'm very bad at this, obviously, on y'all's show. I'm great. I'm leaving on the other show, on Nick's show. But this one I'm very bad at. But. And on both shows this week, I'm going to take Oklahoma State and the point today. Um, I'm not a huge believer in Oklahoma. I love the mullet. I love our guy at Oklahoma State. Uh, I'm a big MAGA Gundy fan. He's awesome. He's hilarious. Uh, One of my favorite coaches. Um, Hard to win at Oklahoma State, but I think this week they have a chance. All right, so you're going with the pokies. Uh, all right, Washington at USC. USC is a uh, is getting four points, so so Washington is minus four. Again, on the road, USC has effectively been knocked out of the national championship picture. Uh, Caleb Williams has been knocked out of the Heisman Trophy uh, race. Washington has absolutely everything to play for. I am going Washington. Matt. I'm going with Washington as well. I think that the Heisman Trophy may be wrapped up Saturday night by Michael Penix Jr. The only other person that could wrap it up would be Daniels, and I sure as heck hope that doesn't happen. But, um... So you're saying Washington. Phoenix wraps it up Saturday night? Yeah, I think he probably does. And and I've I've been kind of on his team all year long. Yeah. I think he's a, he's having a remarkable season. And yeah. Reagan, don't you think USC's kind of lost a little on their fastball? Caleb Williams Look, man, mainly. I've been I have been a huge fan of Phoenix since he was in high school. Okay, like 
he's been one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch because he just slings it, okay? And I'm a big fan of quarterbacks that sling it. So I agree. I think there's a good chance that you could uh, – that Phoenix could be wrapped up Saturday night. I personally not a fan of that, but, you know, some people like that. Um, so I'm with you guys. Washington, I think USC is pretenders. I think Phoenix runs all over the throws all over them. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just going to be a, I think it's going to be nasty out there. All right. And our final game, Saturday night, Bryant Denny Stadium, LSU takes on Bama. And I'm seeing the line of Alabama favored by three and a half. Um, I think that this is going to be a big-time statement game by Alabama. I believe Alabama is going to win by 17 to 21 points. Whoa, um, Nelly, catch him in the belly. I, I really think Alabama, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a crimson-colored glasses-wearing guy. You only but, get paid by the university. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's true. I know. I'm um but uh i think i i think it is going to be a uh, special night for this team and uh and i think that um alabama is uh, absolutely going to um control the game with the defense and uh, again i like alabama big matt how about you um i like alabama not as much as you do but i think alabama could win this game by 7 to 10 which by the way i have to stop pause the cause here when i was doing some of the math a minute ago on how much money you should have won so far this year i did a little math on our picks lars somehow i went from 16 and 16 and i went two and two and you now have me at 17 and 19 so i'm glad you're a skilled writer (laughs) sorry you are 18 and 18 wow good okay Boy, hey, simple, I got simple, for everything simple, I can. Sim- simple math eludes me. Okay. Yeah, but I'm not hitting 78 percent here either. So, all right, Reagan, what's your pick? What's going to happen? I thought Brian there was Denny? something fishy about that 78 percent. I think we're going to have to go do a recount. I think we're going to have to audit this. You know, now we're starting to get like, you know, uh, well, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Um, hey, anyway, Reagan, Reagan, let me tell you something, okay? I, I've known Lars for a long time, and he does like to place a wager on the pony, so to speak. Listen, um, he's got to be telling the truth. He has to be telling the truth. Otherwise, he'd be 48%. So. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. Okay, that's fair. All right, what you got? Right. I want to hear your thoughts on that. I Bama. am, well, I mean, I'm not as big of. You know, I, I am, I am, I am honestly, I'm with Lars. It's weird. I, you know, me and Lars don't agree on a lot. Um, but I'm with Lars this week. You know, I'm old enough to remember when Florida State beat LSU 45 to 21. People want to act like, oh, well, Florida State wishes, you know, Florida State doesn't want to play LSU now. I'm, and I'm sitting here going, LSU's without their two starting cornerbacks and their best defensive linemen, I think Florida State would love to play LSU again uh, without those guys. Um, so, I mean, if Florida State can do it, I think Alabama's every bit as talented as Florida State is. Um, you know, 
I don't think there's that much difference between them. So I, I don't see why Alabama doesn't win by 21 points, you know. Um, I think it's all a matter of, you know, do do you do you do the things that Milrose good at or do you keep doing the things that you wish he was good at? You know, do you run the ball like you're supposed to or do you keep doing, you know, stupid who knows what the heck that play call was? Um, you know, if they throw it deep, Milrose going to have a great game. If they run it between the tackles, it might be a long night. Hey, Reagan, you're on sixth. What's going on today and this week at R&R Scar Mansion? Well, we got a Drew Estate event, League of Provada tomorrow night. We've got Saturday, we've got the Bama game, and then we've got the UFC 295 fight going to be after the Alabama game. So after the game, come on over, watch the UFC fight. It's going to be a great weekend. Uh, always a good time at the mansion. Hope you guys come out. It is always a good time at the mansion. Yeah. I love that place. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Thanks, Reagan. Reagan. When we come back, we have to go to Nebraska because Lars said so. Well, no, we're going to hear we're going to hear the greatest pregame speech and uh, get the the Kleenex out, especially if you love your mother. Just listen, really? to, listen to this okay. by Matt Rule. His dad's a preacher, and you got to understand that he inherited the gift of the silver tongue from his dad. Amazing pregame speech we're about to hear. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny, cool afternoon. The high today around 61. Fair tonight, not as cold as last night, below 34. The warming trend continues tomorrow and Saturday. Sunny both days. The high tomorrow 67. The high Saturday at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. So usually, Lars finds a way to work Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, that's where he's from. That's his team. We understand. And it's just uh, sad that he's have to. He's had to come to the point where he talks about volleyball. However, this particular piece and bringing this up is very appropriate. And, yes, I went and got a tissue. Yeah, so this is Matt Rule uh, giving a pregame speech before uh, the Purdue game on Saturday uh, in Lincoln. Uh, I happen to be there, and uh, it is extremely powerful, and it has caught the attention of the entire football world if you just check it out on social media. So here it is, Matt Rule. Now, as we walk out this tunnel, man, as we walk out this tunnel for the first time at the University of Nebraska, we have a pink ribbon on the back of our helmets. And obviously, that's that's for all the, the wives, the moms, the sisters that have been affected by breast cancer, man. But it's, it's even greater than that. It's a way for us to honor... Those in our lives, our mom, our grandma, our, our girlfriend's mom, our aunt, the people in our lives who have fought for us. Because ain't none of us here of our own accord. Picking you up, taking you to school, fighting for you, taking a second job, battling, maybe keeping you away from the hard things in your life. She took it on so that you could just be a kid. Who is that for you? Who is that for you? Maybe it was your dad. Maybe it was a coach. But, man, they fought for you. They were warriors for you. 
These women that fight this, this, this battle, they're warriors. I saw it with my mom. I saw, I, I watched my mom battle breast cancer. I saw my mom fight. I watched my wife's mom fight. Knowing she probably was never even going to win the fight. Knowing that eventually she'd be up in heaven. Man, she, she was just fighting for 10 more minutes with her grandkid. 10 more minutes. She taught me how to fight. Who taught you how to fight? Who taught you how to be a warrior? A warrior doesn't need a weapon. A warrior is the weapon. You guys are warriors. You've been taught to fight. So as you take that field, fight for yourself. Fight for what you want. Fight for each other. But just remember who went to war for you in your life. Remember the woman that went to freaking war for you in your life. Who sacrificed for you in your life. And whatever your job is today. Standing there and cheering or catching a touchdown, man. Do it without fear. Because every single day that my mom woke up fighting that battle, she had to do it with all the fear in the world, but put it aside to make sure my ass was good. That's who I go fight for today. As you walk up that tunnel, you see the ones that you love? Look them in the eye. Don't tell them you love them. They're not here to watch you win. They're here to watch you play. They're here to watch you be you. And some of us don't have our moms here. I don't have my mom here. My mom's watching somewhere across the country. She's going to feel my joy. Some of us don't have our moms alive anymore. Our grandma, whatever. That's my wife. But she's going to honor the way that her mother taught her to fight. This ain't emotional. This is joy, man. We're here because of the ones that love us. So if, if you don't have family here today, walk by my wife, walk by, by my daughters. You got family. If you don't have someone here today, this is here. Her son's not here, but she's here for us. Us. One word from this labor. Get one word. So, some context. Some context. Mrs. Piper is the mother of an offensive lineman who is out for the year with the knee injury. And Matt Rule had the camera go off when she said something. And Matt, what she said, what she screamed, blank them up. Hmm. And that's just what Nebraska did. Yeah. And you were there. I guess that all really fits. Very I, I mean, I mean, I mean, Matt, just I, 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 I can't even comment because I'm too close to it. But Justin, you and Matt. Pretty remarkable. It's a remarkable deal. That I'm, was great. I'm, I'm ready to run through a wall. I'm actually a little sad we played it at the very end. So maybe we play it again tomorrow and um, get some more commentary. Um, geez, that's Super Bowl stuff. Incredible. That's college football championship game stuff. And boy, did they respond. All right, Lars, thanks for bringing that up. Very worthy. Justin, thank you. Tomorrow, Lars, and I'll be live. It's Friday place to be. That's in is free. You folks have a wonderful Thursday afternoon. God bless. Ah, Barry Buckner for Tucker.